This is a Radio.com original. This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Radio.com studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. New study shows COVID reinfections are more on the rare side, but less so if you're older. Researchers in Denmark find the older age group didn't have as much protection as younger people, so how worried should people be? California variant of the virus now becoming the dominant strain here. Should we worry? Israel now out with what basically are vaccine passports. Green passes are what they're called. They go on your phone, so we'll explain more about that. AMC says it's opening up nearly all of its theaters across the U.S. soon. Will we see a resurgence of movie theaters? We start, though, with the reinfections. Dr. Peter Katona, clinical professor of medicine and infectious diseases at UCLA's Geffen School of Medicine, used to work as an epidemic intelligence services officer at the CDC. So, doctor, what we can gather is that it was a good thing, I guess, to prioritize the 65-plus crowd if they're more at risk for getting this again. Yes, uh, we've kind of known that reinfections can occur with coronaviruses, and it makes sense that older people whose immunity is not quite as good as younger people's immunity would be more susceptible. So it's not it's no surprise to see something like this. But it still is. uh, I mean, for somebody who is older, who has perhaps had covid, it's still something that's what rare. Yes, I think it's very rare, but it does occur and it does occur over time. And this is why we're talking about booster vaccinations at a year or whenever we feel that they're going to be appropriate. Where have we arrived now that we've been with this for a year in terms of immunity from natural infection, how long you get? It was maybe three months we were thinking versus how long we can think that these vaccines are going to give us. Well, conventional thinking is that vaccine-induced immunity is much longer than naturally-induced immunity. We talk about 90 days and people who have been infected, we tell them to wait 90 days until they get vaccination. But it's odd that this happens, but it seems like the evidence points to immunity from from a vaccination may last a year or so, which might be good. Uh, Remember SARS, it looks like the immunity lasted for a couple of years, and that's a very closely related coronavirus. Yeah, I I was going to ask, I mean, even with all this news uh, lately and and a little bit later in the show, we're also going to get into, uh, I think, the California variant. But with all this news about variants, is it, though, that people who are, for example, now getting vaccinated, should they be like sitting there, you know, fretting and going, oh, gee, I just got vaccinated and now I've got to worry like next month I'm going to have to get it all over again? (laughs) Well, the take home message is that all of the variants that we're concerned about the U.K. variant, South African variant, Brazilian variant, and then the American variants, they all have some protection that is imparted from the vaccination. So if we keep vaccinating, we keep pushing these variants back, we're going to probably be okay in the end. But the the take-home message is the vaccines work for all the variants. They don't work 100%, but nothing is 100% in life. Could the variants change any of this talk about reinfection? Could could you be more likely to be reinfected with the variants because that's dominant and they can latch on to you better? There's some evidence in Brazil, particularly in Manaus, where they had a very, very high number of percentage of the population vaccinated, that they were part of that issue. Um, but um, otherwise, it's 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 questionable. Yeah, and, and I do want to go back to what you just said because I think that that's a, a really important message for people, especially those who might 
still be reluctant to get vaccinated to hear. And, and that is because they look at all the numbers about, you know, which vaccine does what and what percentage they're protected and not protected. But all of these vaccines, right, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, uh, AstraZeneca, uh, all of them, if you get them, you're pretty well protected against hospitalization and or, in the worst case scenario, death. Well, that's the most important take-home message, that uh, people who are vaccinated almost invariably never get sick enough to be hospitalized and die. So that, to me, should be message number one, two, three, four, five, uh, to get people to get vaccinated who are reluctant. Peter Katona, Clinical Professor of Medicine, Infectious Diseases, UCLA's Geffen School of Medicine. A new study from UC San Francisco finds the California strain of COVID is now dominant here in this state. CDC calls it a variant of concern since the study finds it can thwart antibodies from vaccines and therapeutics. How well do those vaccines work? Does it mean another surge? What are we dealing with here? Dr. Jeffrey Klausner, epidemiologist, clinical professor of preventative medicine, USC Keck School of Medicine. So, doctor, what exactly does variant of concern mean to me? Okay, so what we have here, we have variants that these viruses change and vary all the time, and those are just called variants. We have variants of interest, and we have variants of concern. And variants of concern are variants that have showed um, some changes in the laboratory that you know might predict some clinical or public health consequences. So UCSF came out with this study and showed that this California variant in the laboratory, you know, took higher levels of antibodies um, from people who had recovered or people who had been vaccinated to, um, you know, block the effect in the laboratory that these California um, variants in the laboratory were more likely to infect in cells or, uh, or tissue models. So it's laboratory data that has caused other scientists and public health people to have concern. Okay, so lab data is not real world data. Things are different. And what we hear about the vaccines, though, are that, hey, what, you know, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, it's going to most likely keep you out of the hospital and you're very unlikely to die no matter what you come across if you've had your vaccine. So we expect that also to be true with whatever's floating around in California, this strain, because we're, we're, we're living with it right now. Yes, absolutely. And it's estimated that this California variant has been around since May and increased dramatically in September through January, up to half of cases now maybe due to this variant. And if you actually look at the real world data, we have low hospitalization rates, our death rates are dropping dramatically, and people who have been vaccinated have been nearly 100% protected against hospitalization and death. So you know, I think it's reasonable for, you know, people to be concerned and aware and invest more efforts in monitoring. But the main message to the public is to get vaccinated and the vaccine is safe and it works to protect against these variants. Maybe we should have a new category, variants we don't really care that much about. Dismissive of said <laughs> variants. Yeah. Um, we've got the UK, too. Is is one of these going to crowd out the other? Although we are trying to give them fewer places to run because we do have shots going into arms. 
Right. So, you know, people uh, think that the UK variant is actually a faster runner. And, you know, in any kind of race, the faster runner is going to, you know, get to the finish line first. So there are people that are predicting that the UK variant will become the dominant variant and, you know, kind of take over uh, from the California variant. The good thing about the UK variant is also very effective. The current vaccines work to prevent hospitalization and death. And that's the, you know, eye on the ball. When we started this a year ago, it was flatten the curve prevent hospitalizations and death, keep the hospitals functioning. People were not supposed to be focused on just the number of infections or cases among young people because, you know, viruses spread. That's where we're used to seeing. But if we can, you know, get enough people vaccinated quickly, we'll have good control of the epidemic. Your best uh, guess, and we asked our other guest in the last segment, same question, uh, on the frequency that it's going to probably be needed for people to update vaccines yearly every couple of years what yeah i mean i don't you know i don't think uh we really know i mean there's plenty of vaccines out there that you know you get your shots in childhood you may get another you know booster when you're adolescent and you're done i think you know there's a lot unknown in the uh you know long term this doesn't change like the flu virus it's not a flu virus so i'm not expecting you know we're going to just need annually um, you know, updates with a regular vaccine. But, you know, if we do need a booster in several years, I'm not going to be surprised by that. Dr. Jeffrey Klausner, epidemiologist, clinical professor, preventative medicine, USC Keck School of Medicine. Doc, thanks. Israel now requiring people to carry what basically are digital vaccine passports, they're called green passes. You show them and then you, you know, use them to get into the uh, gym, wedding halls, and concerts. China has some of these, too. Or are we going to end up with them? Dr. Arthur Kaplan, founding head of the Division of Medical Ethics at NYU's School of Medicine. Also, CBS News correspondent Robert Berger in Jerusalem. Robert, let's start with you. Uh, do you have your green pass, and what's it like? Well, I do. I do have one. Uh, basically, you need to have a, a sh- uh, at least one vaccination or two, and... Um, that's it. I mean, you, it enables you to do a lot of things. There are an awful lot of things you can still do without a green passport, though. Has there been, uh, Robert, much uh, controversy or resistance in Israel to carrying what amounts to a, you know, a permission slip to get to do things? Well, obviously, the people who have gotten the shot uh, and, and have gotten vaccinated, they, they, they're very happy with it. Now, there are, of course, people here, just like in America, who don't want to get vaccinated for various reasons, and then they do complain of, uh, of a certain form of discrimination. I, I, I don't think it's that controversial because a huge por- portion of the Israeli population has actually been vaccinated, over 60%. So... Uh, there are some issues, but I think um, certainly people like the idea that uh, the, the COVID rate is going down and uh, they can start to do some things. The people who don't have it, of course, uh, do feel left out. We mentioned things that you use it for, uh, getting into the gym, wedding halls, concerts. That would be for like a lot of people. What about, I mean, how far down does it go? If I'm going to go make a dinner reservation, I want to eat inside rather than out on the patio. Do I get asked and do I get checked at the door? Hey, you got to show me your pass if you're going to sit down inside. Well, you know, there, it's been a little bit lax, I have to say. I, I mean, certainly if you at, at some restaurants, you know, they're not really checking you very carefully. At certain places like gyms and theaters 
and let's say stadiums when they open, they will check more carefully. You can get into a mall without a green pass. Um, and a lot of restaurants, I think, aren't really checking people. Uh, so it, it's not that strict. It's certainly stricter in, for certain things like gyms and theaters, but not for everything. Okay, so now, uh, thank you, Robert. Uh, over to Dr. Arthur Kaplan, who's been with us many times before in New York. Uh, so, uh, listening to Robert, it sounds as if the Israelis are pretty much taking it in stride. Not any great controversy there about having what amounts to a vaccination passport. Why do I have a suspicion <laughs> that in this country that wouldn't go over as well? <laughs> well, we saw the response to wearing a mask with a lot of people saying, I'm not doing it. It's an intrusion on my liberty. It's an intrusion on my freedom. And I think there's some Americans who are going to say, I don't want to get vaccinated. It's an intrusion on my liberty and freedom. And for whatever various reasons, I don't want to do it. And they would be resentful if they were, if you will, asked to register the fact that they were were not vaccinated. Oddly, though, I think you're going to see this coming, not so much by the government, which is what happened in Israel, and by the way, what's happening in China, but I think the private sector is going to push it. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you can see it from, from both sides, right? There is the, it's going to create two classes of people arguments, mm-hmm. and why can't I do these things? But then the other is, I guess, positive reinforcement. Like, if I want to go to the gym, if I want to, I don't know if airplanes would do it, but some of these other places, then, yeah, if Live Nation says to go to the concert, I have to show my pass. And if I want to go to the concert, then, yeah, I'll show my pass. Right. So usually people worry about health information being known by third parties or the government. They worry that it's going to be used to hurt them or harm them or they'll lose their insurance. With a vaccine passport, as strange as it is, you're going to have more freedom. You're going to be able to get into a concert, a sporting event. And I said, I I think the private sector is going to do this because I think the cruise business, the airline industry, the gyms, the restaurants are going to say, our staff is all vaccinated. It's safe in here. Come on back. Guess what? We're asking for proof of vaccination or a vaccine passport from our customers. I guarantee some uh, employers are going to do the same thing. They're going to say, before we send out our sales force, they're going to be vaccinated, and you can ask them for proof of vaccination before they knock on your door. So while some people get their backs up about what the government's doing, I suspect we're going to see this more in business, and particularly those that have been hard hit, like tourism. Well, let me actually pose that question to Robert Berger in Jerusalem. Uh, Robert, these green passes in Israel, are they being driven by primarily the Israeli government, or is it a private enterprise, or both? Uh, well, it, it's, I, I would say, yeah, it's the government and the health ministry. They want, they want to encourage people to get vaccinated. So how do you do that? You know, you sort of tangle, you, you know, you, you come with this offer, you know, you get to do all kinds of things if you get vaccinated. So, uh, yeah, the government is pushing it because uh, the, the health ministry and the science, the, the science people in this country believe uh, that's the way to end the pandemic. Doctor, you think realistically, I mean, we, we also did this with, you know, temperature checks to get in everywhere and we still have yeah. checks, but it didn't take off as much as we thought. And then we thought there would be antibody cards after people got infected and we didn't get those either. But is this this is maybe different because you're going to know if you got your vaccine and, and so will whoever gave it to you. So you can get the, the data right there. Get the data right there. Vaccines work. They're safe. We can see the rates falling in the U.K. and the U.S.A. and Israel from covid it's basically the key to opening up the country. So I think 
far from being stigmatized behavior, the people who say, I don't want to do it, are going to be in the minority, and they're going to feel pressure to prove vaccination before someone sits next to them at a theater, at a ball game, or on an airplane. Does this, though, uh, become a permanent fixture, just as, for example, after 9-11, you know, two decades later, we still have the whole TSA apparatus. Will this become permanent or just a a short-lived phenomenon? I think it's going to be at least a bit permanent. And what I mean by that is I think we're going to see boosters for many of these shots. You're going to have to prove that not only did you get vaccinated, but you got your booster shot. At some point it might fade off, but I would look for this next two, three, four years. Again, private sector pushing hard to say, come back to eat, come back to work. It's safe here. Come on and travel. Come back and visit your relative in the nursing home. That's where I think the real incentive and pressure is going to be. Dr. Arthur Kaplan, founding head of the Division of Medical Ethics, NYU's School of Medicine, CBS News correspondent Robert Berger in Jerusalem. Thanks to you both. Coming up after this short break, remember movie theaters? They're coming back, but will people go? AMC says it's opening up nearly all of its U.S. locations by Friday, March the 26th. Now, that could shape how movie studios release their upcoming summer blockbusters. WBVM's Rob Hartz with Paul DeGarabedian, senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore, about what this means for the industry and if people will start heading back to those theaters. The opening of a massive theater chain will embolden studios to stay with their release dates. Remember, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, on March 20, 2020, movie theaters essentially shut down. In one week, we went from over 5,000 open theaters in North America to 500 in one week. The box office fell precipitously. Now, fast forward to a year later, and we're in a really good position. And you're right, over the last few weeks, we've seen the box office steadily increasing. Over the past couple of weeks, we've finally seen the percentage of open theaters go to over 50%. This is a big deal. We're on our way. It's going to be a journey. It's going to take some time. But I think we're going to see the box office really come back in a big way in the coming weeks and months. And very quickly, Paul, what are people saying about the movie theater experience? You know, once they do go back to a place that's open, uh, do they accept the fact that, you know, that that it feels normal again, even with the pandemic restrictions and capacity restrictions? I I think so. I think it's the theaters have been doing a great job, in my estimation, of making people feel really safe and secure in a clean environment, a healthy environment. As more people get vaccinated, consumer confidence will build And I think everybody's just looking forward to going back to that great in-theater, movie-going, big-screen experience. I can't wait to go back. It's been over a year for me since I've been in a movie theater, so I can't wait. I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore. British cruise line P&O Cruises has announced it's going to offer cruises to nowhere for vaccinated British travelers this summer. The voyages will depart in late June from the southern England port of Southampton and navigate the U.K. coast. There will be no stop-offs. Instead, guests will only be able to admire the rugged beauty of the country's islands and coastline from the ship. Royal Caribbean is also planning a vaccinated passengers-only cruise for its new ship, Odyssey of the Seas, departing from Israel in May to sail to the Greek islands and Cyprus. Virgin Voyages, Richard Branson's yet-to-be-inaugurated cruise line, 
has announced that its voyages will only accommodate vaccinated passengers and crew. My whole life, the last year, has been a cruise to nowhere. The Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Find us there.